Welcome, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. I'm so happy to have you join us. Today, I'll be speaking with Dana Wiltshire. Dana, a second-degree undergrad, activist, and citizen of the world, shares with me her food journey from Barbados to the Bronx. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Dana Wilshire, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. How's Absolutely. it going? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been going really well. I'm enjoying the weather a little bit. Uh, just, you know, still social distancing and all that, but definitely going outside and getting my son and all the good stuff. How are you? It's good. It's good. That's right. We will definitely make note that most of these early recordings are taking place during 2020 when we were in the middle of a pandemic and having to remain socially distanced and or somewhat isolated. So I'm glad that you're venturing outdoors and getting some much needed fresh air and vitamin D. Um, As I've been doing with the last interview guests that I've had on here, we always start with how did we meet? How did we come to know each other? You and I don't go back that far. Uh, so do you want to share with our listeners how we came about to meet each other? Yes, actually. Um, and we can get into this a little more, but we did meet at Lehman College where you're a professor and also a nutritionist. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went there for help uh, for my nutrition and um, and also to just see you like um, on a, I guess, a medical like platform. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that I went there to use your services and your, your knowledge as a nutritionist. And that's how we met. Right. So a lot of a lot of campuses or I should say maybe uh, at least CUNY campuses that I that I think have on campus student health services like the Student Health Center and Wellness Room and all these things. And so I was hired as an on-campus dietitian and plugged in one day a week to meet with pretty much anybody that goes there. But you're a student, right? You're not part of faculty employee setting. You're a student on campus as well. Yes, I am absolutely a student. And what are you majoring in, if you can tell everybody that as well? So this is actually my second degree, and I love to, like, say that because it just feels really nice. But Mm -hmm. um, it's my bachelor's, and this this degree is in political science. Poli-sci. Okay. Which I'm I'm going to assume some of our discussion will touch upon that coming up soon, so I'm excited to talk to you about that. Absolutely. But let's let's go back a little bit further then. I am so interested in learning about people's earliest food memories, their backgrounds, wherever they grew up. And I know you have quite a lot of stuff in your own world. Like you you're very well traveled and so tell us a little bit about like your earliest childhood memories of what your food issues or food dynamic, family dynamic was. And then we'll talk a little bit more about kind of how that led you into whatever direction you're in now. Awesome. So yes, I think that that's a very good um, place to start um, for most people or all people. Um, Me specifically, I've been, um, I was born in New York in the Bronx. uh, And and that was because my mom was traveling here to visit my grandmother and she was very pregnant at the time. Um, and so I was just born here, but my family, my mom and my dad, they lived in Barbados at the time, which is a small Caribbean Island where Rihanna's from. Most people know it. Like mm-hmm. if I mentioned that, but yeah. And so um, it is I there where I really grew up and really learned about food and, and um, was really exposed to food. I'm also Indian. So my mom is Indian from Guyana, India, we're Indo-Caribbean. And my dad is um, mulatto, he's black and white, uh, from Barbados, he's a Bajan native. 
And so my food really comes from those two places. But mm. my uncle, who is who lived with my parents, um, and they all lived together. When I was a baby, and I was growing up, he lived there for a short while, he really was the person that kind of exposed me to food and had me in the kitchen when I was very young, tasting and trying and doing all that fun stuff. Um, but generally speaking, my, my, my family on both sides, they're very involved in cooking and baking and um, just food in general. So I've, been, I've had the pleasure of really being allowed to experiment and taste and, and have my taste buds travel the world in a mm -hmm. sense um, because we were very liberal with allowing people allowing children in the kitchen and tasting things and trying things and cooking and experimenting. And I know a lot of people don't normally get that, but mm -hmm. we were, uh, I was fortunate to have that. And so my earliest, earliest food memories um, definitely come from my uncle and definitely come from Barbados being a place of lots of natural food growing abundantly. Um, so um, before I even get into cooking, raw foods, for me, which play a significant role in my life now, uh, mm -hmm. were, were very important. So my mom, there's um, big market that we they call it um, in Barbados. And we go down to the market, basically, and it's all local vendors. And they're literally like what you think of in a village mentality, a village like mm -hmm. lifestyle, where people just have their carts and their their little baskets. And they whatever they're growing at home or you know on their farm because people do have like huge plantations and farms um they bring to the market and they sell it there and so you get fresh herbs you get fresh vegetables you get fresh fruits you get all that good stuff and you can haggle and so you get into the culture of haggling and <laughs> knowing how much food is worth really and um what good food looks like and smells like and versus a bad fruit or a bad vegetable um, or something that's about to go rotten, but not rotten yet. And so you learn that at a very young age in the Caribbean um, when you're exposed to that that um, that marketplace. Um, and so I def and then you also get like specialty um, and going into cooked food now, you get like yeah. specialty bites um, at the market that you won't be able to get in a supermarket anywhere um, that, you know, vendors make, um, you know, just for Saturday market. So you go yeah. and and... And that that's just very like it that molded the way I viewed food and definitely the way I learned to taste and it opened my taste buds, I should say. Um, I once again mentioned that I'm from an Indian background on my mother's side. And mm -hmm. so we knowing just what we generally know about Indian food, some people call it the original plant based diet. And so right. that being said, I was always made fun of as a child for having like the being the one child that didn't like vegetables and didn't like like a plethora of um you know greens specifically I don't like soft things right and so I learned right. that very early too like I loved crackers and crunchy things and nuts but I hated like bananas and avocados and like different even though I loved fruit I didn't like mm -hmm. um very soft mushy things right um and right. so that was something that I that I learned very early about myself. And in the market, people are really nice. They let you try things before you buy it. So you can decide if you want to buy it. Um, you can try something if you don't know what it tastes like at all. You can smell yeah. things, you can touch things. And so there's so much learning, so much um, learning going on without even being taught, really. And so those were very like early memories that I have. Um, yeah, just being in the market, 
and then going on to cooked food, really, um, my uncle, one of my favorite things to smell, even to this day, right, is um, <laughs> kielbasa sausage, right? It's, it's, and that's funny, and it's ironic, because we're going to... It is funny. It's very yeah, ironic, right? Um, and we can get it, we'll get into that later, and you know why we're laughing, but... We'll, I do. We'll, we'll surprise the <laughs> listeners with that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but kielbasa sausage roasting. Right. It's like the like, and it's so like it was like a treat because we're living in this Caribbean island where you don't really get things that are not um, local, locally made or right. locally um, sourced, um, or at least that's what I was exposed to. And then you have like my uncle just making kielbasa sandwich um, sausages with onions and and. Um, sweet peppers and you get um mm. with a side of toast and and so Barbados for those that, people that don't know is was a British colony so the idea of a traditional breakfast still rings true mm-hmm. right so we have like your baked beans as a side which I also didn't like because they were mushy um <laughs> and you get like toast and you'll have like plantains which is a such a Caribbean like food right plantains are like yes. a Caribbean staple I still to this day love plantains and and even though I'm not like Barbados is an English British um country we when I moved to the Bronx um because I lived in Barbados for uh, most of my childhood till I was 11 I moved to the Bronx at that point uh when I moved here and there was such a high Latin population here and I knew that they called sweet plantains which I love maduro I, I mm-hmm. immediately changed my vocabulary. I was like, I don't, I don't know what this plantain is. I just know Maduro now. And I love Maduro. And I say that to everybody. <laughs> That's your staple. <laughs> that now. is my staple. Dana, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you one sec because I'm scribbling like a fiend with so many questions. And to follow up on this, if you don't mind, can we venture back into a second? Because one of the th- – I'm, I'm kind of going to be a little bit all over the place, but I was following some of what you were saying. Going back to the discussion of allowing children in the kitchen and allowing them to taste and smell and touch and develop their own senses of what they – their preferences are, right? So you were saying mushy, not mushy, and different smells and flavors. That's one of the things, as um, as you were saying before, I'm an adjunct lecturer also on the campus at Lehman College, and one of our – classes is an undergrad 200 level course in food society and health. And one of the things we talk about is, you know, yeah, kids might not know how to handle a knife and, you know, do the the stuff on the stove, but it's, they can even be involved in some way just in that kitchen environment and then exposing them to not just your own traditional cooking, but allowing them to come to the market with you, allowing them to speak and, you know, interact with the vendors and, kind of like you said, the haggling thing was cracking me up. I could just picture, you know, eight-year-old you being like, that's too much or whatever in that case. So I really like hearing that because I think, you know, we tend to say, well, kids are kids or they might be picky eaters. But I think if we allow that um, opportunity to really have them flourish in that environment, if it's able, they're able to do so, if the people who they're working with, in your case, obviously you had your family, but also specifically your uncle, I think that's really cool that you had that in such an early age. And I spoke a little bit this in my intro um, episode where I, I too, I was kind of raised by my grandma with my mom and dad as well. We uh, lived in a two family house. And so a lot of us were just, you know, back and forth, up and down. And I was constantly touching and feeling and helping make pasta every Sunday and doing those things. So I love that you had that experience. 
Um, I'm going to stop with that unless you want to add anything else and I'll go on to my other question. No, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I will ramble on. <laughs> Please stop me whenever you feel necessary. I love it. I love it. Thank you. And the other thing I wanted to ask too, so in addition to what you were saying, the local vendors at the big market, did, did you have, or did your neighborhood have, uh, backyards, gardens? Like, did you plant and grow your own things as well? And then was there also like a supermarket or did you always just go to these open, you know, markets with the, with the vendors there? So I was once again, very fortunate to have this giant house. And of course I was a child, so I thought my house was giant, (laughs) but I had this giant (laughs) house with like a huge backyard and we had breadfruit trees. We had, um, pepper bushes and we had cherry Mm. trees and a guava tree, which is by the way, my favorite, favorite fruit. Um, and, um, well, actually it's a debate between that and mangoes, but yeah, we had lots of fruit trees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had fruit trees and at some point too, we had live animals. Like my, we had rabbits and we had, um, and I've had rabbit, you know, like, and that's a very, like, Mm -hmm. that's a delicacy, you know, it's not something that you would eat very Mm -hmm. often, but you know, um, so we had lots of, and it was commonplace. Like I said before, like vendors go down to the market and they right. kind of sell what they have in their yard or whatever. Um, and they may not have like a huge yard or a huge plantation. People may grow things out of pots and things like that. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, in the Caribbean, there aren't many apartments. Most people are living in houses that were passed down by their family members or that they built themselves, depending on their um, socioeconomic status. Um, and so most people did have a, a yard, whether it be big or small, and most people did do grow at least like one tree or one plant. Um, and it may not necessarily be something that you can grab fruit off of or any type, sure, sure. any type of food, but um, they do have like, it's very normal to have plants and have like life around you. It's so Caribbean. It's very yes. ingrained in us. And even now in like my two by four little you know, apartment in New York, I have plants everywhere. I regrow cuttings and things like that. So yes, in the Caribbean, it's very, it's very like commonplace to have vegetables and fruits in your backyard. And even if it's just for yourself and your family and not for sale, you know, and we definitely had that. We definitely had, like I said, like breadfruit trees. And I think we had a mango tree and we had, um, we grew peppers for sure. And I remember that because my, um, and we, these are bird peppers and they're named after that because I think the birds like eat them often. Um, yeah, okay. like they just pick them and they're very small. They look like cherries. And my brother yeah. ate one cause I told him it was a cherry. Obviously it was a bad kid and he, his mouth was clearly <laughs> on fire, but now he has this like hu- super high tolerance for peppers that I don't have. And, um, right. And yeah, so we had like a very like hands on, childhood when it came yeah experience yes absolutely that is so so cool I I was thinking back to you to what you're saying in uh relation to because I didn't go too much into detail in some of my own introductory discussions but we had a backyard garden we definitely we lived in two different places when I was a child but somewhat close by to each other I remember a fig tree and a cherry tree and then obviously in the garden we had like basil and tomato and then when we went shopping we would go kind of like into town to these very specific vendor establishments so there was the pork store there was the cheese store everybody had a very specific thing that they were selling versus nowadays you know you have whole foods or giant supermarkets where it's just literally one-stop shop and you can even get clothes in some of these places too depending and i miss that i miss those artisanal small businesses i mean thank goodness in new york city 
we have a lot of that available to us, but sometimes there is accommodations to be made. Sometimes things aren't available or they're a little bit costlier than obviously going into the, the larger stores. So you're bringing me back down my own memory lane Aww. with all of this discussion in, in your childhood too. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, so if you don't mind then let's shift a little bit and do start, talk, start talking about how those experiences, whether they happened when you were in Barbados or when you did move to the States, how that then defined you and your current approach to what you eat, what you do, your healthful lifestyle, those types of things. If there were any positive or negative influences and in how you, you, know, you kind of shifted and worked around that. So go ahead. You have All that right. Thank you. <laughs> I'll open the floor. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, I think knowing, being able to grow with food and experience food at a very young age allowed me to be adventurous with food. So a lot of people will, will say like, oh, you don't try things, you don't try new things, and that's really not true. I've just learned early what I like and what I don't like and properties that I like and what I don't like in food. And so I, can, I don't have to try things really to know if I'll like it or not like it. And so because of that, I think um, there is like a, a kind of a gap when I when I encounter new things with friends and family members. And they, they there is this like moment of like, well, you don't like I said, you don't try things. And so I've done a lot of experimenting at a younger age, which allowed me to, to define my palate and understand myself. And so I can make those decisions, whereas mm -hmm. people will say like, well, I don't know if I will like something, let me try it. I can say ahead of time, like, no, I know I won't like this because it's mushy or I know I won't like this because right. this, you know? And so um, it's allowed me to be picky. I am a picky eater, um, but I'm also well, like well-rounded. Like I know what I like out of food. So I can go look for something that has these properties that is green or is orange or is purple because we need the whole rainbow in our plate. Sometimes I just, I, I'm mm -hmm. able to be be picky, you know, I'm able to be successful in my pickiness and be nutritious with my pickiness. Um, the transition, really, from moving to New York, the hardest thing I would say for me was the change of food. So in the Caribbean, you get this, this variety that you don't get in, a, in this part of the world, right in this part of New York, in this right. part of America. Um, we aren't tropic we aren't the tropics so we don't get certain things year round we don't get certain things fresh um like freshly picked because we're a city um and we don't have a lot of right. gardens or or places where you can um necessarily have vendors and we do have a lot of local vendors but they're not necessarily selling local food and so that's also like right. a challenge i have and having like guavas like i can never find ripe guavas anywhere all our guavas are imported and so because guavas turn ripe and they turn spoiled, like they, they transition very quickly between stages, they're shipped when they're, when they're green. And so they will never reach proper mm -hmm. maturity um, and they will never taste the way that a fresh guava off the tree will taste when it's ripe. And so right. um, I've learned to, to um, I've learned to really have to learn new foods and um, try to, you know, source new, source old food in different places. And that's caused me mm -hmm. to like personally gone out and adventure into different neighborhoods and see where I can find local food. Because there's a lot of food from Barbados from Guyana that I can't find anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so that's very taxing on my palate, because now I have to try to get all that nutrition that I would get out of 
these various foods out of like a select amount of food now. And so I think that that's also, I do miss the market as well. I do miss being able to go and meet vendors and haggle for food, you know, and once you know someone well enough, they start giving you stuff for free too sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So it's a culture shock at first, but then you do find some way to accommodate the things that you're looking for with what you have. I mean, obviously there's going to be probably like the morning period, M-O-U-R-N, you know, the morning period of things that you probably will never find here or that don't necessarily mimic exactly what you're looking for Um, because of the different food supply and the different things, the food ways that we have in America. And like you said, if they're going to be available, it might be imported. And by the time they get here, not so much with the flavor. Absolutely. And so you kind of have to pick and choose. Um, so, so keep walking us through some stuff then. What, what is your path right now as far as your own health journey goes? And tell us a little bit about that too, because now we can kind of get into maybe some of the things that came up in our discussions previously about you know, what you are looking for as far as food is concerned and what some of your current taste buds are going for and how you are managing your own health. Okay, and great. So, um, yeah. My mom, when I think, I don't know when she did this because I, my grandmother raised me after 11. So when I moved to New York, I lived with my grandmother who is completely Indian. And so I have, and, but she's Indo-Caribbean, right? So she does make like her rice and peas Mm -hmm. and we still make this thing called macaroni pie, which is a Bajan dish, right? It's completely from Barbados and, um, but it's mac and it's baked mac and cheese essentially, but it's made with a roux. And so, oh, also in addition to all of this, my aunt is a chef by trade like she she's gone to school yeah and ah. she's become a chef and she's um she's had her own restaurant and and in Barbados and like she's done a lot of things with food that has allowed me to also like experience new tastes and new flavors and learn techniques mm-hmm. because she's had like the scholastic mm-hmm. aspect of it she's been able to teach me how to make a roux she's been able to um show me how to bake a mac and cheese from complete scratch and so she's also been able to like lend that knowledge whatever she's learned to our family and so that's influenced how our family now makes food um which is a huge deal for us um because now I can't get that food anywhere else like it's and everybody's family's like that like right. we all have family recipes and things like that but I think ours is so complex yes. because it comes from all of these different walks of life that it's just like I I've written down recipes and I've done all these things because we just it's it is what a family recipe is right like it's it has all this history it really is um, and right Right. And it is passed down. It's not, I mean, back in the day, nobody's documenting this. Right. Exactly. Document. You know, it's not accessible. It's just word of and mouth right, you're just... down and you're, you're experiencing. And then ingredients change. I, I believe ingredients change over the course of time. Sometimes exactly. you can't find the thing that you used to use or that that manufacturer doesn't know, no longer carries that particular, you know, canned condensed milk or whatever it is that you're doing. So and flavors can, then change because uh, of, um, mm-hmm you know, vegetables and fruits and those other ingredients not being, being substituted or not being available. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so that happens a lot too exactly. here. Like we, in Barbados, we get uh, even a specific brand of cheese, which is New Zealand cheddar, anchor cheddar cheese. And it's literally the best thing since sliced bread. Like I will eat slices and slices and slices <laughs> of that cheese. Like when I come back from Barbados, I bring blocks of cheese with me. Like people, people, bring sand I bring cheese like I need this cheese you know and so and so um 
<laughs> yeah. So just to touch on my family a little bit more, like my mom is a raw vegan. She, I don't remember when she okay. made that transition in her life, but my first real encounter with that was um, when I was 18 and I went back to Barbados to live there for a year. Um, and I lived with my mom and she was a raw vegan. And so she was not having um, for people who aren't really versed in the food world, you know, like a, mm -hmm. a vegan is someone who mm -hmm. doesn't eat any byproducts of animals, which goes down to even having honey. She won't even have honey. And then mm -hmm. a raw vegan on top of that is someone who doesn't eat cooked food um, often or at all. And so right. she, she, um, that's her path in life. And so even now being in America, so she's lived in Barbados her whole life until like a few years ago. Um, she moved to New York to be with us and to, you know, just be with her family. Um, she, yeah, she now eats a lot more like widely produced food and like, um, processed food, vegan food still, but she's not as raw as she used right. to be. And that I do attribute to the fact that, you know, uh, New York may not have as much fresh vegetables and fruits available or locally grown fresh veg and um, fruits. And mm -hmm. also like my mom is very particular about genetically modified food. So she's educated me a lot. And like I said, in 2012, when I went to go live with her, she opened my eyes a lot to um, her food journey and what food really is and how food is supposed to be for your body and what nutrition really looks like. And so we get to this point. Um, we get to this point of, really understanding where what what the point of food is and how it serves its purpose in our in our body and so she won't right. eat genetically modified food and she won't have things that maybe like tomatoes that aren't heirloom tomatoes like she's very specific and she also taught me like you know nightshade food and how often we should eat mushrooms as women and soy may be not necessarily something that's good for us all the time and and so and and that's lent to a lot of my mom very was very important in my food journey um, and in terms of lending me her knowledge and her experience. And uh, she just taught me to be very like vigilant, you know, like pay attention to how your body reacts to what you eat. Just do that. Well, that, yeah, that's for sure. I was going to say, obviously, because I work with such a wide variety of patients and clients, um, not everybody has, obviously the same tastes and the access to certain things. But that is definitely one thing that I tend to tell people, um, you know, as, as um, flexible as you can be with what you have accessible to you, try to honor how your body reacts to things. So if, you know, I don't, I don't tend to term things like good or bad foods. I think all foods play a role in something, but if you happen to have like a violent reaction to dairy products, perhaps your body is telling you, you have an intolerance to that. So, you know, you can obviously go the gamut of getting tested for things, but certain foods might be able to you might be able to live without. Now, if we're doing that, and I think you and I might've had this discussion too, if there are certain foods that kind of come off your, your plate, literally, it's just a matter of what nutritional value did, right. they, did they give you that you now kind right. of have to replace in that way. So if we don't do dairy, there's no problem with that. We're just missing calcium and maybe some vitamin D, but we can find those nutrients in other things. So I don't really force people to eat a certain way. I feel like you have to honor yourself, but you know, in your case too, because you are, you, you do have a very special regimen in things. Um, do you find that to be sometimes a little bit problematic or challenging of trying, you know, or do you not care so much like, well, listen, this is what works and I'm eating kind of the same thing day, day after day, but I'm designing it in a way with different 
uh, you know, flavors and spices and the way that I'm cooking things that it doesn't feel like. It's right. So jumping into where I am now in my food journey, right? Because I kind of didn't yeah. answer that question. Um, <laughs> we, okay. So I am a vegetarian, but um, I'm a vegan vegetarian. And so that's like, I usually use that with people who know more about food. Um, generally speaking, I just tell people that I'm vegetarian, mm-hmm. but I consider myself a vegan vegetarian, which means that I am vegan up until cheese. Cheese is the only thing, the only okay. like animal byproduct that I use. Like I don't even use honey, you right. know, like I, I am very conscious about um, how things are made and I'm, and that goes for my entire lifestyle. Like I will not buy silk because of how it's made. It's not, you know, like I will not buy leather. Like it is a lifestyle change for me. And so even though I've gone into this completely like listening to my body because, um, and I'll tell you, and I think I have before too, the story of how I really became vegetarian. Um, it was very natural. Mm -hmm. It was not forced. And I don't also believe in forcing yourself to do anything like your body. You just have to listen to yourself. Your body will tell you what it needs, what it doesn't want, what it likes and what you need at any given time. And so you kind of just have to listen to that and be very present in your body and listen to it. And so, um, yeah. So like I said, I'm a vegan vegetarian. I eat vegetarian. I eat plant-based every meal all the time, except when it comes to cheese. Sometimes I give a little into butter as well here and there, but, um, I'm, I do not drink milk. I don't do, I don't do, um, yeah, I don't do yogurt. I'll have like plant-based yogurt, Mm -hmm. which is actually an acquired taste, but I got used to it and I love it now with like granola and stuff. (laughs) Um, I'm also very picky with the brands that I use, um, because if I'm like, I have to make sure my ingredients are genuine ingredients that are giving me my nutritional, uh, intake because like, if I'm, Mm -hmm taking a bunch of things out of my diet, like you mentioned, I have to make sure I'm still getting those nutritious, um, like details. And so, uh, that's very like, that's, I don't find that, um, it's very hard. I think for me, the biggest challenge is not being able to access the plethora of fruits and vegetables that I'm used to because like Bajan cherries, right. They're world renowned. They have like, Mm -hmm. I think they're the highest, um, plant that the highest thing that has like I think um, vitamin C or antioxidants in it or something like that and that's something I used to like pick off we had a cherry tree you know so I was eating cherries all the time and so you're running around in a sunny country with all these fruits and vegetables I went to college and I used to pick fruits off the tree and eat them you know and so like when I went to college in Barbados and so it's not yeah it's not so much of um oh, well, your diet has changed. How do you how do you deal with that? It's more of like, um, I have less mm-hmm. access to fresh food. So that's my real problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a mat. And my and so I'll talk I'll walk you through now, like the journey of how I became vegetarian. Um, and so yeah. I was living, I'm here in New York. And I was completely I loved steaks and burgers like I and I still like will smell a good steak or a burger and be like, mm, you know, and so I, I, <laughs> ate everything and Barbados we love pork right like it's just like this like we grow our we have our own pigs and 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 like ham is such a big deal especially around Christmas um and so like food isn't you know we don't sit there and like bash any particular type of food and I understand why and how people do that but I don't personally subscribe to that Mm -hmm. you know I don't sit there and say like well this is terrible you shouldn't you probably shouldn't eat that I just want to make sure like you're also getting 
all the nutritious things you need. If your body's not doing anything crazy when you're eating something, you're probably fine. You know, like we're all made up of different things. And like you said, we all respond differently. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I lived here in New York and I was eating everything that I can get my hands on. I did transition when I was younger. I ate a lot of processed food because it was easy to make and hot pockets were a great breakfast when you're riding the train in the bus in the morning, you know, and so that was my life for a while. Okay. And um, while I was going to school, but I came home and I would make food or there would be food cooked already. Like, you know, whoever's home will gets home first cooks. And, um, but like as a transitioning teen and, and into my adulthood, I was very like fast foodie, you know, and, and that may not be buying something that might just be like popping a freezer um, pizza into the oven or whatever. Right. And, um, and so that was very much my lifestyle. And then, like I said, at 18, I encountered like this vegan lifestyle with my mom. And so when I lived with her, dairy got cut out of my diet completely because she had dairy replacements. So Mm -hmm. she had the milk and she had like the almond milk and she had uh, yogurt and she had, she didn't, she had vegan butter. And so she had all these things and I'm using that, you know, like when I'm making pancakes in the morning and when I need butter, she doesn't eat peanuts because they're so genetically modified. And so I'm eating almond butter instead. And so your palate kind of changes by, by force because of what's, what was present there for me at that time. And so coming back to New York, I'm like, well, I don't like how milk tastes anymore. And I I loved milk in Barbados. We have this like ultra pasteurized shelf safe milk that we drink. And I love like the vanilla flavor. (laughs) And even though we have cows and we have fresh milk, that was kind of like what I grew up on. And, you know, like at that time, my mom and my dad weren't very like influenced and impacted by what they ate necessarily. They were just local and they ate what was local and what was available and that just some right. that just for me conveniently happened to be fresh food and fresh vegetables often. Um, but yes, you did have the ultra pasteurized milk and juice boxes and all these things. But you're still picking stuff off the off the off your trees, and you're still eating stuff that are like That's local. True. But um, so you do have like kind of like a balance. And I think coming from that also taught me that you don't necessarily have to be so strict in your diet as long as you're feeding your body nutritiously you be healthy in a way, you know? And Mm so, um, right. It can be simple. It can be simple and easy and natural stuff. And, you know, you're, you're bringing up some good points there too, because for, for people who are curious about transitioning into a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle or, or hearing the term that is going around a lot right Right. now, which is plant-based, right. Plant focused foods, just incorporating that when we're talking about those things, we're, we're primarily talking about whole foods, natural foods, things that you kind of recognize, things that if they were on a tree, you could pick them off and eat them. There's definitely processed foods also available in the vegan world. There are, you know, those substitute meat products, the substitute dairy products. So it's possible that even with transitioning to what seems like a healthier approach to stuff, people could maybe not make the right unhealthy. Yeah, you could be a completely unhealthy vegan, you know? You could. My mom, when she first moved here because – Um, vegan processed food was so available in the Caribbean, it's very expensive to import. And then they also have a very small population of people that are strictly, you know, they have the Rastas and they have Mm -hmm. like, uh, and, and, and so the Rastas are almost like exclusively the vegans there. And so when you do find like someone that's not Rastafarian and they are vegan or they're plant-based, 
they immediately like I remember people telling my mom like oh you're Rastafarian like you're Rasta because you're vegan and so they 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 conflate the two and (laughs) and this is just like the Caribbean mentality and it's not necessarily like a hateful kind of um like a slur it's just like this is what we identify these two things as so if you are vegan you must be Rasta you know and so you do come from this place where it's just like everybody eats everything that's available and most people are you know okay but you do have vegans and and even though you're vegan those vegans are mostly raw vegans because of what's available because they're the country's not going to import vegan ice cream and vegan cheese for the the smallest population you know and then those right and then also those people people are not necessarily (laughs) going to buy vegan cheese because they they they're not into processed uh-huh. food being from the Caribbean, you know, and having the the abundant food right. source that they do for free. Um, and so because of that mm-hmm. lifestyle, when she moved here so that she was a raw vegan, when she moved here, she had all this like processed vegan food and she ate ice cream like every day. And I was like, mom, you're so unhealthy. And she gained <laughs> weight. She gained like 10 pounds the first like couple of months she was here. And she, she, um, you know, like she ate a lot of processed food. And that's kind of like the American plague. Like we like, when I moved here, I ate a lot of processed food. Like I mentioned earlier, too. I was in high school, I'm coming home, I'm eating processed food, I'm going to school, I'm eating processed food, there's processed food in the lunchroom, because that's what we get served. And I come from a Caribbean island where we ate eat palau for, um, for lunch, which is like a rice dish, you know, it's a, a, a heavily seasoned right. meat and rice dish. And um I'm used to that. I'm used to having uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and real food like that. The cook starts at like eight in the afternoon, eight in the morning, nine in the morning. They start cooking, you know, <laughs> and um, and so I'm right. So it's the overconsumption of not just processed foods, but All probably excess that. calories, too, because obviously, you know, depending on how much your body requires and how much you're kind of utilizing it in a day. Um, There is a shift. There is a known shift that when people kind of come into America, there's that Westernization that happens and, uh, and the slowing down of things too. People are much, I think more probably on a day to day, on a a very Um, like day to day basis. Yeah. Yeah. On the day to day. Like we go to school. Yeah. Yeah. But Dana, can I, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, can we, because I'm so interested. In I know, to, I like, know. I'm like, like you right now. I, I know, like mm-hmm. we said, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> and I'm so, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's okay. I just want to make sure that we don't forget that I, I want to learn a little bit more. So I'll let you finish what, what you're talking about with the vegan transition there. And then if you don't mind, share a little bit about like what a day in the life of you is right now, n- maybe not food related. Like what is it that you're doing? And uh, any routines that you, I always kind of call them like the non-negotiables, anything that you do to keep yourself happy and at peace, um, especially in a state that we're in right now, not just with the pandemic, but also there's been a lot of racial tension specifically in the last weeks. I mean, in the last right. hundred years, but specifically in the last two, two weeks. So there's been a lot going on. And the reason why I think I'm, I'm interested in learning about the current you is because that does take a toll on people's health and wellness. Like, is that triggering things for you? Are you feeling a little bit emotionally wrought in certain things? So do you mind sharing a little bit about kind of like, you know, what's going on in your life these days or currently, you know, this week or how? Yeah. So I'm going to finish up um, their first, your other question that I never ever answered. And, um, and then I'll jump right into that. And so, so my, so just going into like how I transitioned from being like everything eater to a very specific picky eater. Um, I, when I moved out, I, so I've lived on my own for about four or five years now. And when I moved out, 
I, um, so when I came back after being 18 with my mom, my whole dairy was shot. Like I was not having dairy in my diet mm-hmm. anymore. And I really missed yogurt. And then, um, when mm-hmm. I, and then after I moved out, I moved out at like 20 or 21. And that was only a few years later. I would come home after work. I used to go to work and I used to go to school. I worked two jobs and I went to school. And so I'm coming home. Right. I'm coming home really late. Oh my gosh. And, um, and I'm like defrosting meat and I'm like trying to make a dish at like 9 p.m. so that I can get into bed by like midnight so I can like right. go to sleep by 2 a.m., you know, and, and do my day all over again. Um, and so at some point, it did become a toll for me to defrost meat. That was really what it was for me. It, it became like too much. I couldn't come home and defrost meat. And so I have um, pets and I can't leave stuff in my sink, which is you shouldn't do that all day anyway. And I didn't want to leave raw meat out in the, right, right, like, right. the bottom of my fridge to defrost during the day. Like I was very like conscious about that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, if I can't defrost meat, then I'll just do fish. Fish is much easier. And so I went to BJ's and I got like a bunch of like filleted fish. And on the occasion, on the weekends, maybe I'll cook meat when I'm up. Um, and this is just like animal protein in terms of like land animals. Um, and then I would have it when I went over to family's right. house. And so I didn't cut it out of my diet. I just stopped cooking it. And then at some, and then one day at, um, right. um, at my office, I ordered a burger for lunch um and I smelled it and I was like oh this smells terrible like something must be wrong with it and so and at this point I was like like I said going to school and working all day and like just doing that for like weeks and weeks on end so I'm eating fish and I'm eating vegetables and I'm eating all of this other thing all of these other things that are not meat and um and so like when I ordered this burger I thought it was like terribly like I thought it was spoiled. And so I asked my, my coworker, I was like, Hey, can you smell this burger and tell me if it's okay? And she's like, this smells delicious. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, this is crazy. Ah, so you right. yes. And so I had like this case. moment of yeah. like, okay, I can't eat red meat anymore. And so I, re- I cut pork out of my diet. I had done that for a while. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, especially in America, like in the food production mm-hmm. here, there was, I just eat pork when I go home because I know it's locally grown and the, the pigs are taken care of. And ha- like, I just, I prefer that. And I trust that meat industry more. And so I, I, at that mm-hmm. point I had cut pork out of my diet already and then um and then at this at that junction where I had that burger I was like okay well red meat has to go now and so I'm eating poultry still um and this is like strictly chicken I wasn't having uh, I think yeah and then I had an encounter with duck in Chinatown so I love duck I love 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 duck it's so salty and good right and um I ordered duck I took my friend to Chinatown and I was like, treating her and I was like let me get some duck and it made me feel terrible. I wasn't like, it didn't smell horrible to me or anything. I was eating it. And then like, I had a, yeah, I had a reaction to it. Like my tummy was um, in an upset about it. And I was like, okay, so I can't have that anymore. Um, and, uh, and then I had a winter solstice party. So I am non-denominational. Uh, well, I'm non religious, I should say. I'm very spiritual though. So I'm very like inclined to celebrate the seasons and, changes in the weather and moon cycles and things like that. But I don't celebrate Mm. like religious um, celebrations necessarily, especially Christian religious celebrations. And so um, I do have a winter solstice party, which I threw with my friends and I made everybody wings for that. Like I made a bunch of different things um, and some plant-based meals and, and also like some wings. And I try to eat the wings and I was like, 
oh no, I had a headache. I was like, maybe it was too salty. Maybe something happened. Like I was all of these things and I was having this terrible reaction. And so at that point I was like, okay, I can't eat meat anymore. And then I slowly, slowly, slowly started taking, um, I didn't want to cook fish anymore. Shrimp, the texture of shrimp in my mouth was, was yeah. messing with me. Like I, like how shrimp pops in your mouth. It was just like when you bite into it, that was messing with me. I just couldn't experience that texture anymore. Um, never like made an active choice to cut anything out of my diet other than really like dairy and -hmm. that was kind of forced by my mother you know like that was like oh well we have all this other stuff you don't need to get into dairy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so my I grew out of dairy but I had aversions to everything else all the other meat in my life and so um that that's how I I kind of operated with that so yeah a day in the life of me now um it's a in terms I know like you said non-specifically about food but I am going to touch a little bit about my food journey Mm -hmm. um it's a little tougher since like like Lehman College is closed I can't get fresh food there um I think they do actually allow students to pick up or do a box or something now um Mm -hmm. they've developed that since the quarantine but initially I couldn't do that um and the botanical gardens is still closed supermarkets lines are out the door you can't order anything off of whole foods because the wait period is for days and days even shop right you can't order anything for (laughs) like they don't deliver for like a week or two um and so it's been very challenging trying to find fresh fruits and vegetables um and just acquiring them like not even finding them but being able to purchase and bring them home like that's been a journey um so that's just like my food journey now Right. Because you're not one to sit there and just like, let me stock my fridge full of heat and eat items in the in the frozen section or anything like that. You really do thrive on the exactly. more natural products. So that is very challenging. That is very challenging right now. Absolutely. With what's going on. And so what I've um, tried to do um, is, you know, regrow things from cuttings and hmm. um, beans grow really fast, even though beans you can kind of source and stock that that you can keep because right. beans, if you buy dry beans, then you're fine. Um, but generally speaking, yes, like my tomatoes, tomatoes take forever to grow. So like, it's like, am I going to really grow a tomato vine? You know, like, yeah. So it's just been very taxing finding that, but I've been gardening. Um, that's part of my quarantine life. Okay. Um, generally speaking, it's been very like, it's been very, um, it's been very warm to do that for myself because it reminds me mm. of my grandmother who, like I said, raised me for a good part of my life. And she also recently passed away. So mm. it, it it's like a, it's part of that for me. It's part of returning home in a way. Yeah. Um, I love how you said that too. The warm, the warmness, the feeling of warmth. Yes. And yeah, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, it, it does bring me warmth because it brings me, it brings me joy and nostalgia. And mm-hmm. I think that in itself is warm. And so um, planting, being able to grow something, you know, outside of myself, something that requires attention outside of myself, it, re- it, it allows me to remember that right. I'm, you know, I'm part of, I'm not existing by myself. I, I can attribute yeah. to growth and, and even something so small um, in, the, in the time where we're all isolated or we're all like frustrated because of whatever's going on. It's, right. it's important to remember that we are part of a bigger picture and we can contribute in any way, even if it's growing one plant, you know? Um, right. And the, so, right. The world dynamic, like you're part of this earth. Absolutely. So, that's such a wonderful way to, to find something positive and all of this stuff that is kind of mentally challenging on all and physically challenging on a lot of us too, to find that nice little, you know, nugget of hope and kind of writing that 
out in that way. That's, that's very, very sweet. How you, how you worded that. Thank you. So yeah, even yeah. like, and it, and it requires me to like take time out every day to water. Cause I have some plants that re- like my bamboo doesn't require water right. for like two months, you know? And then I have like some plants that need to be watered like twice a day. Um, <laughs> and so it also like reminds me, like I have to contribute to something outside of myself and I have to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have pets so that, that, was always there you know it's always like but my pets will remind me like hey you need to feed yes. me you've been working for 10 hours hello yeah um but you can't necessarily ignore your your child your furry my, children right my fur babies <laughs> and so um yeah so plants require me to to actively remember that I'm I'm there's more than just myself um mm-hmm. so I've been doing that I have I started like a little mini cooking show for my family um, yeah, because they, I have family all over the world and, um, I'm very, com- I communicate with a lot of them. And so they are all like, Hey, how are you? Are you okay? Like, are you getting, you're in the epicenter of all this stuff. Are you like, yes. what's going on? Are you healthy? You know? And so, um, I do my cooking show and, um, it's on WhatsApp. It's not public at all. Um, and I was thinking about doing it public, but, um, yeah, I do that to keep up with them. And so they all know like I'm plant-based and I'm vegetarian, um, and that is so cool. Yeah, so that's something I do, and I only do Wait, it like I have to interrupt one sec because you have to explain to me because I'm an old person. What? How do you create a cooking show on WhatsApp? Isn't WhatsApp like a texting? Yeah, so you can actually, um, and this is not pretty recent, but it's fairly recent. Um, it's they have this call this part of WhatsApp where you can post statuses, um, and okay. you can post videos, you can post pictures. And so it's not a live cooking show in the sense that they can't um, oh, actively okay. watch me while I'm doing it. I, gotcha. I have to like upload videos, basically. So and, this is kind of their version of, I guess, like the Instagram stories yes, section, but it stays, it stays there forever or it goes away after a certain time? Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah, actually. So, so it is, I'm sorry you have to explain to me. No, no, what's no. Absolutely. I'm sure you're not the only person that's going to be like, what is she talking about either? What is that? That's so cool. Yes, right. So, I understand what you're talking about, though, like uploading videos and creating that interactive experience for all of the people who are, are not all awake at the same time if your family's all over the world and they exactly. can kind of watch you, you know, in action. And I'm also like um, a night owl, right? So I'm like cooking at yeah. maybe like midnight or 10 p.m. and and I have like family who have, you know, they have children or whatever, and their children has what mm-hmm. have WhatsApp because they have phones. And so they like to watch my videos too. And, you know, if they're in bed by that eight because they so still have school, fun. they can still watch my right. video the next day. And so um, I've also hosted cooking um, extravaganza with someone I knew. So I do that as well, like on Zoom where I'll, you, you know, yeah. we'll pull up Zoom and we'll cook together. And so yeah. I'm okay with that. And that's a great way for me to maintain time with my family um, in a in a non-direct way. Right. Um, but going into something that I cannot, like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I, re- I don't remember the term you use, but, but like something I don't give, like, I can't give up, you know, oh, the, like non-negotiables. You're the non-negotiables, the non-negotiables. There yeah. you go. So Um, I do yoga almost every day. That is like you. So I sleep on the floor and I know people like associate that with like poorness, but it's actually really good for your mind and your body to Mm -hmm. really sleep on. Like I have my mattress, of course, and it's a memory foam mattress, but I I sleep on the floor and I feel very comfortable being so close to the ground. I don't know why. 
Um, I've had a bad frame my whole life. (laughs) It makes sense because like you just said, you kind of are an earth mama there. You, you enjoy being grounded in that way to have that connection. So that totally makes sense that you want to be as close as possible. I'm stealing that term, earth mama. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So I do sleep on the floor and I kind of literally roll out of bed and I wake up to the sun and, you know, I look at my plants and I, and I, I kind of give honor to my room and I have lots of space in my room, you know, and Mm. so I have carpet where I do my yoga and I turn it on and and I do my yoga every morning. Sometimes I go live on Instagram Mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't. Um, And my morning isn't necessarily 9 a.m. or 6 a.m. It's like whenever I wake up. Um, And so and we've all been having crazy sleep schedules because of the quarantine and Um, so, but I do like, that is no matter what time I wake up, that is my non-negotiable. I get up, I do my yoga, um, and then I'll go grab breakfast. I'll have tea with that and really have a moment of, um, of meditation and relaxation and being present before I start my day. And I think that's very important. Um, that is important. Like you said, even if, even if time is irrelevant right now to kind of have that little moment of silence to reflect or even, you know, project like what you are visualizing to be a successful day for yourself or to be um, honoring the fact that you are still here and just having a second to, you know, give yourself that time before whatever your day is, if it's going to be busy or boring or whatever is going to happen, at least you have that moment of, of your own self there to kind of reflect on. I love yes. that, Dana. Yes, thank you. That's so yeah. sweet. Is there, um, it, uh, before we start, we're going to kind of start wrapping up here. But yes. I was going to say, if there's anything else you want to add to that, if not, I want to kind of get an idea of what the future you looks like. Because you have shared with me in our own private conversations, some of your hopes and dreams and things that you are looking to do, you know, once you're done with your degree or once you are of a certain age. So tell us a little bit about that too, if you want to. Yeah, so um. Um, I'm just going to wrap up like yes. talking about what I look like now. And so Do it. this month has been particularly challenging. And I think that's for everybody all over the world, no matter what color and shade you are. Um, mm-hmm. It's because of all of the systematic like movements and changes that we're having right now and all of the grassroots um, movements that we're having right now. And um, I've been personally, um, and my partner has come to join me from California as well. We've been personally like on the streets marching yeah. and, um, protesting and, um, you know, getting people to sign petitions and calling, um, local offices and, you know, really trying to like affect change. Um, that's been part of what we've been doing now. And so, um, you know, and for more information, people can definitely find me on Instagram, but there's just like a lot, that's what I've been doing. And, and this is also pride month. And so I do, I've, currently been planning like some pride some virtual pride events uh, to host like I mentioned like I have family all over the world so I really want to encompass them and um and I work like on top of all of that I work (laughs) as um a virtual assistant essentially at this point because I can't go anywhere um and um I started to open and create my own company I've just partnered with two other people who are very like passionate about the vision and this kind of like leads into the your next question of what the future looks the future, like future yeah yeah and so we've been kind of plotting <laughs> about what this looks like because we have a lot of local business owners who are a struggling or b going completely out of business um or who are trying to get into business because things are now becoming like real estate is becoming cheaper and things like that mm-hmm. and so i we want to be you know virtual assistants and whatever capacity they need which could go from accounting to just sorting 
paperwork, you know, like office management, um, because of our various degrees and our various trainings, um, we are trying to build that and we want to reach out to like minority owned businesses or small businesses um, and offer that service to them. You know, like some people are not, they're not able to like hire a full-time employee, but they still need admin work done. And we're here for that. You know, if you need us four hours of the week or whatever. And so I've been working on that with my, um, my coworkers, (laughs) my partners, you know, Uh, we've been working on that really hard. uh, And for this month, and so this month has just been a lot of activism, a lot of like positive, enlightening work. And so that's what right now looks like for me. Um, That is so cool. Because you're again, with the taking the opportunities of not kind of going down a downward spiral in what could be considered the darkest times of all right now that you are coming out of it with saying I still have plans and you're making a business for yourself a lot of people are struggling with you know financial hardships and stuff but there is an opportunity if you have kind of i guess the ideas and the wherewithal or you know the resources perhaps like you are fortunate to have a group of people who are also supporting each other too in that way so to know that there is business opportunities out there so not all is lost just because some people might be out of jobs that other jobs might be available and you can helpfully hopefully you know go and find those things or market yourself that people can find you yes absolutely and so it that also was something that happened organically by accident but um and i don't want to really get into that too much but but um we you know like i just in this that came out of frustration. So I don't want to like, um, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what's really happening for me because I don't want, you know, like, I'm not like, just like, Oh, let's all be productive. Like I, I'm not, that's not my message at all because I did have like, especially in during the quarantine, like we, we, I had like a whole, like maybe like two weeks where I was like not getting out of bed, not doing Mm -hmm. anything, ordering takeout every day, just because Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't like, cook I didn't want to cook I wasn't function yeah like I was like super dysfunctional and so um I I walked myself out of that and part of that was buying plants and saying like okay well if I'm not going to get up every day for myself I have to get it for my plants I have to get it for my pets you know and so part of that was um just just like learning how to restructure my life in this new place and Mm -hmm. even going out to protest I was frustrated and that's why I I, I sat in Fordham. It was literally me and my partner. My mom later joined us and it was two of us literally yelling Mm -hmm. in Fordham Plaza, just like at people saying, Hey, sign the petitions. And we had so much feedback and that was Mm -hmm. so rewarding for me because my frustration then turned into positive action, you know? Um, And yeah. And so like, it's not, it's okay, you know, to feel like whatever you're feeling, just, just Mm -hmm. move just move with Mm -hmm. it and like or at least plan to move with it you know like if you're if you you're stuck for two weeks then at some point you have to make a plan to like then say okay I've taken some time to to relax or to yeah to process Mm -hmm. to do whatever to to find some function and then you if it even if it's like like I said rolling out of bed and doing yoga every day just try to do something that will help you um I started doing quarantinis with my friends, which required me to literally just take a bottle of wine out of my fridge and sit on my bed and play music. You know, like I was like, let's all do this. Let's all join in on Zoom and drink and be merry. We have nothing else to do. Um, And so, yeah. And so like it, you just need some type of positive action, like feel how you feel. Absolutely. But you need to, you need to move at some point. And even if it's out of frustration, move. And so because I've done that movement 
and everybody's movement will be at whatever time they need to do it at. But because I've done that movement, I am now here where people are um, texting me like, hey, do you want to come volunteer for this? Do you want to do that? And I find Mm -hmm. myself like my schedule is just being packed and packed. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, no, I want to go back to laying in my bed. And um, but you do you do need to just like find some balance. And so, of course, it can quickly go from like nothing to something and or to everything. Um, And it's just Yeah. And it's just about retaining balance, maintaining balance. And sometimes you need help with that. Sometimes you need to Mm -hmm. talk to somebody to find out what's the best mechanism to, to balance or what I need to balance as a specific person. And I'm just lucky to have a great support um, system, which includes you. Uh, And, um, and so like, I'm just very fortunate to just live the life that I do. And so that's where I'm kind of at right now. And like I said, looking forward, I have my business. I am, um, I do have a business opportunity in London, which I do want to pursue. Um, and that's where I'll be moving soon. So cool. Yes, oh, wow. I think so. I think, so I think cool. that's really cool. I'm very excited to do that. I just, I'm very concerned, of course, still about like all the safety issues. Right. Um, Obviously. Presently, I'm doing a lot of activism work, which I hope to continue. And I really love what I am doing right now. I feel really great doing it. Um, which is, you know, a selfish reason to do it, but also like a very impactful thing to do. So I am very excited to continue being an activist no matter where I go and to build something possibly that people can use. And I think part of my business is like that, you know, like I want to help business owners who are being impacted at this time. And so that's part of like where my future lies. I just, I'm a very helpful, hopeful person Um, with my political science degree. I do want to be a lawyer at some point. Um, so I do want to continue my career, my, my education, mm-hmm. um, with law school. Cause that's the next step for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to put it on hold for England cause I may just do online schooling or I may go to law school in England, depending on how much, like what money looks like. Um, right. but that's where I am. I just want to continue to travel and, and be the best version of myself and give as much as I can, because so much has been given to me, you know, and that's just I, how we live. That's how we revolve around each other. I, I just, I, you're cracking me up the words that you just said, because I literally just wrote down honoring her true self. Oh yeah. And, absolutely. That, yeah, and that is something that, again, the, the fact that, you know, it might seem outwardly sometimes that we're all happy, go lucky, very creative souls, you know, very open, making people feel comfortable around us. But we do have our own issues to deal with. And it's okay, like you said, it's okay to process that. It's okay to take time and shut down for a bit. And at some point, just like you know your true self with food, you also know your true self with emotions that, you know, I have to kind of step out and take a shower and go outside and talk to humans. And um, because this could go down very deep, if that's not, you know, maybe tended to in that way, but then to, to be um, compassionate with yourself, too. I think that that comes up a lot, too, in some of these conversations I've been having to kind of allow yourself the ability to feel and break and feel broken, and then come out of that in some way with saying, I've learned. And now also, in different respects too, with the activism and the business stuff, you're also looking to share and grow with uh, teaching other people too. So that's something that has kind of also been a theme with some of the other guests as well, where we've all had some sort of health and wellness journey of our own, you know, whatever chronic condition we were fighting, but now it puts us in a better state and frame of mind to be able and to be open to people who are actually trying to find us. And that's also one of the reasons why I do this podcast, because I 
I don't rely on people who are following me. I want you to manifest uh, your audience through this discussion of who can hear your message and your mission and really have like that connection with what you're saying. And so, um, yeah, so this is why I love having everybody on this platform because it's your story that you're telling and somebody might out there connect with it and say, holy cow, that's, that's really, that's kind of how I'm feeling or what I'm going through. And everything that you've shared so far is just so pure and honest. And I'm so grateful. Um, so if it's okay on that, on that note, I don't want to cut you off again. I just want to put out there. Is there anything that you like final words before we start wrapping up? Cause I do have a couple more questions and then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up if it's okay. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I've touched, I've answered everything that you've asked so far. If I'm, if I'm not, um, if I'm correct. And, um, and so I just want to like extend a thank you to yes. you for providing this platform, Aww. of course, because of like, there would be no person to relate to me if there was no one to hear, you know, what I had to say. And so you're right. a huge part of that as well. And like I said, a huge part of my personal growth and my, my, my health and wellness growth. And um, just generally speaking, we check in and I appreciate you so much. So thanks. Yeah. Well, let's, let's share who you are. Are you available publicly online? You said you're on Instagram a lot and you also have a business pursuit or can people find you somewhere? How could they connect with you if they want you? Absolutely. So my, ins- I am a poet by trade. No, not by trade, by, by right. <laughs> by passion. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poet. I, um, my poetry Instagram is Rohani is truth. Rohani is my Indian middle name. So that's R O H A N I is I S truth T R U T H. And so you can mm-hmm. find me there. Um, and you can also find like all of my activism, my latest activism work on there. And, um, just generally that's the best way to contact me, uh, from, for okay. public reasons. Uh, or Rohani is truth at gmail.com. Um, okay. My, I will, I will put this in the, in like the little notes underneath the episode. So there'll be hyperlinks. Oh, so great. people can Click on it and all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just in case anybody didn't hear the spelling or whatever, I'll make sure that I'm linking to all this. Stuff. Awesome. And um, thank you. And there's, and then like my, my business is called the pencil pusher. Um, and so that also has its own Instagram and I'll send you, um, the spelling of that, but it is the pencil pusher. The T H E E as in the, right, right, right. Okay. That's cool. Well, Dana, before we actually do finally wrap up, what is pun intended on your plate today? What are you planning on eating when we're done? And also, you know, what are you working on right now? As far as, you know, your next, as soon as we hang up, whatever you're doing today. Okay. So um, I actually have my breakfast still sitting next to me because I didn't eat it at all. But I made a, um, a um, what do you call it? Home fries? I made a, yeah. a, a, what we call ground food in the Caribbean, which is, you know, food that comes from the ground. Um, mm-hmm. A ground food. Um, like root vegetables and things yes, like that. Um, yeah. Home fry. So I did that. Mm. Um, I seasoned it uh, with cumin and and all that good stuff. There's there's beets in here. There's sweet potatoes, which is the Caribbean sweet potatoes are actually red on the outside and white on the inside, and they're not mm. they're they're known as batata in like some uh, Hispanic Caribbean countries. Um, yeah. And that I, I eat that instead of potatoes, instead of like the white potatoes. <laughs> like it's I prefer them. They're just sweet though. They're very sweet. Um, right. And I also have 
I did throw some cabbage in here and carrots. That sounds so yummy. Like nice hearty, a hearty meal. Yeah. A lot of good flavors going And that's on because there. I literally was like, I, so I have to go grocery shopping to first of all. Um, and secondly, <laughs> is this a clean out the pantry? Yeah. It's kind of, of like whatever's like said, in yeah. there, just throw it in the pan type thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and then for later I'm going to have, we're making, I'm making a lasagna, a veg, a vegan, well, well it's veg, a vegetarian Ooh. lasagna because okay. it will have cheese. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and that just, it, I'll have probably some peas in there, like some green, um, I'm sorry, not peas, beans. I'll have some beans, like, mm-hmm. uh, green be- beans in there. I will probably use, um, I, and I just use a lot of vegetables for my sauce. Mm-hmm. And then I layer that with like the pasta and the cheese. Um, that and it's, yeah, it's killer. I've made it for like years now and everybody eats it. Like when I make it, they just love like that dish. Um, and that's another way that you're honoring things too, right? Like you're taking something of yourself and you're sharing it with absolutely, others. And absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not like, you know, like I said, like, I'm not, I'm not here to tell people like what exactly not to eat and things like that. But I am right. like, Hey, try this, you know, like try this. this exactly. is yummy. Let me share. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, that's, that's, that's how I influence and interact with food and, and friends, you know, like I'm very much like when you come to my house, like we're vegetarian here so you're gonna have to you know I'm I've never had a complaint like my friends always come over and they I throw parties and think well I used to throw parties and um have yes. lots of friends over and like they're eating walnuts with their quinoa and they're like cold salad and they're like this is great right. and um and they 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 treat it like a treat because that's what it is you know they're not used to getting like that kind of meal mm-hmm. um and so I value them for that too like they're very open to things I cook and they're very like they let me know like, Oh, this needs this, or this doesn't taste well or whatever. So I love my friends for that. And last but not least, the thing that I'm going to go do now is um, eat my breakfast, but um, I have some work today. (laughs) And then I have a Hindi class because I am learning a language and being cliche during the quarantine and learning a language. (laughs) <laughs> uh, are you also making banana bread? Because I did that already. I did yet. that already. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought some banana bread, some bananas to give out to like homeless people, and I didn't like yeah. there was nobody to give them to when I did go like that day, and so they ended yeah. up staying in my house. And like I was like, I'm just gonna, and I hate bananas. I mentioned that earlier. I'm avocados, but I will eat right, a banana bread. Said, yeah, I will eat a banana mm-hmm. bread, mm-hmm. but I can't have like yeah, chunks different- of banana in it. I just can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so that sounds quite a lot literally on your plate i mean right now it's mid-afternoon so i'm very um uh impressed that you've had breakfast sitting out for that long but you remind me of me i tend to graze i don't know if you conscientiously do that or not but i tend to graze and so i'll sometimes be like oh my gosh it's lunchtime already right. and i still haven't finished my breakfast so i guess i have two meals at two right <laughs> um, dana it has been such a pleasure because I, you know, we, in our finite amount of time spent together in our conversations, in sessions um, on campus, really didn't get to know each other as much as we have now. So I'm really so, so grateful that you spent some time with me today, that you shared your story with whoever is out there who will hopefully listen to this. And I absolutely wish you the ultimate best in all of the things that life has to offer to you in the future whatever that means, whether it's tomorrow, the days to come and the years and so on. And I really, really hope that we will always be keeping in touch from this point Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, we'll talk after this, but I just, you know, thank you so much for allowing me this space and this platform to share my story and my journey and, 
and to share with me what you have as well about yourself and for us building our relationship, right? So like, indeed, indeed. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Dana. Mm-hmm. Okay, my dear, have a good rest of the day and we will talk again yes, soon. Yes, thank you. Okay, okay bye. bye. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina, and I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again. 